I'm not going to preach out of Isaiah today. I want to preach out of uh, Daniel chapter 9, one verse, verse 23. And um, I want to talk to you about prayer. This has been a heavy week in so many ways. And uh, I just want to talk to you about pray, pray like it matters. I'm sure I didn't come up with that, but uh, several years ago, I laid, God laid that phrase on my heart. I couldn't get it out of my mind. You know, prayer is one of the most important disciplines in the Christian life. God repeatedly called his people to pray. Jeremiah 33.3, call to me. Pray to me is what he's saying, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you don't know. That verse tells us that if we talk to God, God will talk to us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, but you, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Probably one of the greatest verses on prayer in the whole Bible. Prayer is not something you do for a show. Prayer is something you do for the Lord. Luke 18, 1. Now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Any time is a good time to pray. Philippians 4, 6, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible on prayer. Be anxious for nothing. Let's say that together. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's one of the greatest definitions of intercession and petition. Let your request be made known to God. Just tell God how you feel. You don't have to pray a fancy prayer that you think God might like. Just pour out your heart to him and let your request be made known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ. You don't have to ask, is it God's will for me to pray? The answer is yes. Sometimes God will do things whether we pray or not. You say, what do you mean? Well, if tomorrow comes, the sun will rise whether we pray or not. If tonight comes, the moon and the stars, even though we may not be able to see them because the clouds will shine in the night, whether we pray or not. Birds are going to fly. Fish are going to swim, whether you pray or not. There are some things that are going to happen whether we pray or not. But some things will happen because we pray. The Lord will guide you when you say, Lord, instruct me and teach me in the way that I should go. Guide me with your eye upon me. That's Psalm 16, verse 11. 
He'll give you guidance. He knows the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you pray, you ask the Lord to speak to you through Scripture. I just did it a moment ago. Now, all you musicians, don't get mad at me, but I did it while you were singing. I said, Lord, I'd like a word from the Word. I don't do this a lot, but I took this Bible that I've read all the way through and marked it up many times. And I started looking in some areas and I just saw some old scripture that I had underlined. It spoke to my heart. You say, Brother Steve, do you really believe that? I really believe that. I asked God for a word and he, he gave it to me just a moment ago. And then sometimes you ask the Lord to give you strength to do your work. And he does that. But sometimes when you pray, even when you pray, even though you pray, difficult, bad things happen in your life. You pray for a lost person to be saved, but then they reject Christ. You pray for a loved one to be healed, but they're not healed. They get worse. You pray for God to give you direction, but you're unable to discern His will. Nobody completely understands prayer, yet God tells us over and over and over again that we should pray deep within our souls. The Spirit of God is urging us to talk with God, to worship God, and to lay our requests before God. When you read the Bible, and I would encourage you to read it every day, I, I would encourage you to have a system by which you read the Bible. Don't just randomly pick up the Bible and start reading somewhere. Get a pattern and go through it. There are all kinds of Bible reading plans on the internet. You can go and just look at that. Do what works for you. But in Scripture, when you read the Bible, you'll see people that God used to change the world through their prayers. Through their prayers. Time and again, we see history being altered by fervent prayer. We see people who are catalysts for a movement of God because they prayed. And one of those people is the prophet in the Old Testament named Daniel. Daniel had been taken into Babylonian captivity when he was just a teenager. More than likely, the rest of his family, including his parents, had been killed. He was very intelligent. It's one of the reasons they kept him alive. More than likely, as a teenager, he was made into a eunuch. He had no wife, as far as we know, no children. He lived like that all of his life, but he never got bitter. He never got mad at God. And no doubt he wondered why things were happening the way they were. He was human, but he loved the Lord. And the Bible says that he prayed three times a day. Most theologians believe he lived to be in his 80s, Let's say he just lived 
to be 80, and he started praying when he was 15, when he was exiled. He prayed three times a day. If he prayed for 65 years, if, if he prayed 60 years, rather, that's over 65,000 times to be before th the throne of God. 65,000. You know what? I would imagine you would get used to the presence of God just a little bit if you prayed 65,000 times. He survived two oppressive regimes, the pagan Babylonians and the Medo-Persians. God used praying Daniel to guide kings. He gave guidance to many kings of Babylon and to many kings of the Medo-Persians, including Nebuchadnezzar, who, if you'll read Daniel chapter 4, I don't know how else you say it. In the New Testament terminology, Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Just go read it. Daniel chapter 9. It's an amazing text. And Daniel was part of that. We're reading in Daniel 9 today where Daniel had found a text of Scripture in Jeremiah. Chapter 25 of Jeremiah. Where Jeremiah, the great prophet of God, prophesied that Israel would go into captivity and remain there for 70 years and then they would return. You don't get that kind of revelation unless you spend time with God. Jeremiah was a prayer warrior. He was the weeping prophet. And the Bible says Daniel looked at that promise, did the math, and said, you know what? 75, 70 years is almost over. And so he takes that promise out of Jeremiah 25. And in Daniel chapter 9, he prays to God. And he prays the promise of Jeremiah back to God. I would encourage you to learn to pray the Word of God. Amen. Pray the promises of God back to the God who gave the promise to begin with. Amen. It's a beautiful thing to do. I have gotten where I can't even pray without praying Scripture. Daniel prayed God's promise back to the Lord. Who else did that? Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus prayed two Scriptures. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. <clears throat> my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is that? Psalm 22, verse 1. And then at the end of his time on the cross, he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Last thing he said on the cross. What is that? Psalm 31, verse 5. And if you'll go read, I would encourage you to read in chapter 9, verses 4 through 19. Look at the prayer of Daniel. His prayer life had grown. He prayed one of the greatest prayers in all the Bible. I love the prayers of the Bible. And by the way, instead of praying for Judah and Israel like he did, if you'll just insert the words United States of America, you can pray that very prayer in Daniel 9 
verses 4 through 19, and America is just as wicked as Israel was in the days of Daniel. And we need to pray for our country. Daniel finished fasting. He was praying. He was exhausted. And God heard his prayer and sent an angel. Who did he send? Gabriel. What's that about? Gabriel is the one who came to Mary and told her that she was going to bear Jesus as a virgin. Gabriel comes, and I'm going to preach out of one verse. Daniel 9, 23. This is the New Living Translation. Here's what Gabriel said to praying Daniel. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was. For you, Daniel, are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. I want to ask you again, does prayer make a difference? Does prayer matter? Should we pray like it matters or not? I believe we should. Let me give you three reasons. I've preached this here before, but I felt so led to preach it today in light of what has been going on, what has happened, the tragedies in our church. First of all, Christians, we should pray like it matters because prayer can move the hand of God. You and I cannot make God do anything. I want to say that again. You and I cannot force God and manipulate God. Can't make God do anything. Our prayers don't make God do anything. I've heard some preachers Say, you can decree things and God has to do it. Look at me. You better back off real quick. God doesn't have to do anything because you decreed it. We need to get over ourselves. God is the one who decrees things. We are the followers. We don't lead God. We don't tell God what to do. But God does and can move he can have his hand do things when we pray. And that's what he's talking about here. Look at the first part of the verse. The moment you began praying, a command was given. Notice the cause and effect. You prayed and I gave a command. You prayed and I responded. The moment you began praying, a command was given. These words from Gabriel are powerful. The prayers of one man, there were not many people praying in his day, very few men of God. But the prayer of one man, the prayers of one man moved the hand of God. You see this several times in Scripture. Abraham prayed. God rescued Lot, his nephew, from the destruction that would come upon Sodom and Gomorrah. It's really a picture of the rapture. The righteous man was taken out before the evil world was judged. Moses prayed, God sent ten plagues upon the Egyptians 
and Pharaoh. Moses prayed again. God parted the Red Sea. Israel went through on dry land. And then when the Egyptians came in after them, God closed the sea. All of that was an answer to prayer. All of it. Joshua prayed. And God stopped the world from turning so that his army could defeat the Amorites. He said, do you really believe that with all my heart? You know why? It's in the Bible. I've come to believe everything in the Bible. I heard one guy say, he said, I believe everything in the Bible. I believe the cover. It says genuine leather. I believe it's genuine leather. I believe the notes in the back, don't you? I believe it all. I believe the page numbers. I believe it all. Baron Hannah had no child. Eli, the priest, said, pray. And she prayed, and God opened her womb. And she blessed the world with the last of the judges and the first of the prophets, Samuel. Everybody knew he was a man of God. From Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. And his word did not fall to the ground without accomplishing the will of God. He had a praying mother. I want to tell you something. I'm praying for another Samuel. But I think what I need to be praying for is another Hannah who will pray another Samuel into existence. We need a prophet of God in America. We need a prophet that everybody knows is a man of God. We need that. Hannah prayed for it. Some of you mothers need to start praying for it. Elijah prayed, fire fell from heaven on Mount Carmel. Elisha prayed, a young boy was raised from the dead. Jesus prayed. Now think about that. You say, I don't need to pray. What are you talking about? Jesus prayed. If Jesus needed to pray, Steve needs to pray. And you need to pray. Jesus prayed at his baptism, and the heavens were open and the Spirit of God came down. How many of you want to have the heavens open and the Spirit of God come down? It comes when you pray. The anointing of God's Spirit comes when you pray. Jesus prayed over a little boy's lunch. 5,000 men were miraculously fed along with their families. Could have been up to 20,000 people. Because Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed and then called Lazarus forth and the dead man rose from the dead. And when he said the word Lazarus come forth after he prayed, Lazarus had no option. He had to come out. It was coming out time because Jesus had prayed. In Acts verses chapters 1 and 2, 120 people prayed for 10 days. Ten solid days. They had 120 people praying. God split the heavens, sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The church was not birthed in a business meeting. The church of Jesus Christ was birthed in a prayer meeting. A white, hot, 10-day, 24-hour-a-day prayer meeting. 
My house shall be called a house of prayer, God says. Paul prayed. He had been blinded on the road to Damascus. Paul did not get saved on the road to Damascus, and the Bible doesn't say he did. The Bible says that three days later, after he had been blind for three days, God sent a Christian named Ananias who witnessed to Paul, and the Bible says that's when he prayed and received Christ and he was baptized. But God sent somebody to witness to him when he prayed. Paul prayed. That means lost people can pray. Let me tell you something. Lost people can pray to get saved and God will answer their prayer. Peter prayed, God raised Dorcas from the dead. Paul and Silas prayed at midnight, sang hymns of praise to God, locked up with their backs bleeding in a jail in Philippi. And God liked what he heard in their prayers, took all their bonds off, took all their chains off, opened all the doors, and God saved the jailer and his whole family because those men prayed. No one fully understands prayer. I sure don't. But no one can deny prayer's power. Prayers of one Christian. You know, a lot of times the devil will just say, you can't do anything. You're just one person. Don't you ever let the devil tell you that. You can pray. And you can be used of God when you pray. God will use your prayer. The prayers of one Christian can make a huge difference. James 5, 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of one righteous man can accomplish much. And that applies to women too. Our prayers cannot force God to do anything. You can't manipulate and de decree things yourself. I hear, I hear these people talk about, I decree this. And I'm just like, stop it. You're not God. God doesn't tell you you can decree things. You can ask, but you can't tell God what to do. Whenever you hear that, run. Get away from that. If you're in a church that teaches you can decree things that when you say things, God has to move. Stop that. Stop that. That is not of God. Nowhere close. I've known godly people who have prayed fervently in faith, yet God did not answer their prayers the way they wanted him to, not because they weren't godly, but because they don't know everything that God knows. God, just as clear as a bell, laid this on my heart years ago. If I knew everything about the situation that God knew, if he doesn't answer my prayer according to my will, if I knew everything about that situation that God knows, I would, I would have prayed exactly how it came out that God did instead of the way I prayed it to begin with. If I knew what God knew, then I would pray according to God's will. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes God doesn't answer my prayer the way I wanted, but God always answers in his own way. 
And his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Job suffered, but he prayed. He didn't understand God's ways. Job 13, 15, though he slay me. And here's a man who had lost 10 children. Here's a man who had lost all of his possessions. Here's a man who was covered in sores and boils, unbelievably physical suffering. And yet he says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. I'm going to pray to him now. I'm going to say, Lord, I don't like this. But even if you kill me, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why should we pray, Pastor? Because prayer can move the hand of Almighty God. The moment you began praying, a command was given. Secondly, Christians should pray because, pray like it matters because prayer reveals the will of God. I've preached a couple of times this week once in Mississippi, once in Alabama, preached the same thing out of Romans 12, 1 and 2, how to know the will of God. I want to tell you, you and I need to know that God has a will for our lives and we need to know it and we can know it. Prayer reveals the will of God. Look at our verse in Daniel 9, 23. And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. And now I'm here to tell you, now that you've prayed, Daniel, I'm here to explain the vision that you've seen. Now that you've prayed, I'll talk to you when you talk to me, God's saying. When Daniel spoke to God, God spoke to Daniel. When Daniel talked to God, then God talked to Daniel. That's exactly what the brother of Jesus, James, meant in James five, uh, 4, verse 8, draw near to God, say it with me out loud, and He will draw near to you. When people tell me, I don't feel near to God, with all due respect, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, that's because you're not drawing near to God. Draw near to God, He will draw near to you. God wants all of us to talk with Him. It's frustrating, is it not, to have a child that doesn't want to talk with you? It can be a young child. It can be a teenager. It can be a grown person. I would say this is not part of the sermon. This is just something I feel led to say. If for whatever reason you have taken an offense toward your parents and you're not talking to them, stop it. Forgive them or you're not walking with God. 
I've heard of people that won't let their parents see their grandchildren. Look at me. Stop it. In the name of Jesus. That is not the will of God. Okay. Back to the sermon. If you love God, you'll talk with Him. People say, I love God, but they don't pray. I don't understand that. I love my wife. I was gone because of the rain. I had to drive 450 miles on Tuesday to preach to Dothan, Alabama. Drove back the next day. I was so tired of sitting, I didn't know what to do. I called Donna in 24 hours, about eight times. I didn't have anything. I did have a flat tire just north of Montgomery. I called her about that like I guess she was going to fix it. I don't know what the deal was. I just like to hear her voice. I've been married 43 years. I'm not trying to say all. I'm just trying to say I, I just like to hear her voice. If I like to hear her voice, do you think God likes to hear your voice? God loves you more than I love Donna. You put a smile on the face of God when you talk with him. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me, God says, and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. All of your heart. If you say God never talks to me, all that says to me is you don't talk to God the way you should. Don't put it on God. I would infer, encourage you to do something. This is hard nowadays. It's really hard. We've got so many electronical gadgets. It's really easy to wake up and run to your phone and see who texted you in the night or early in the morning. Check your emails. See what somebody said about you on social media. Can I just say to you, don't do that. Don't grab this thing, first thing. Grab this. Read this out loud, even if it's just for a few minutes. And then talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. I'm not saying don't look over to your spouse and say good morning. I'm not saying that. But I am saying don't pick up your computer. Don't look at your emails. The first good conversation you ought to have every day is with the Lord. Every day. Every day. Every day. It takes discipline. Go to bed on time. Get up on time. Spend time with God. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 32, the Lord is intimate with the upright. Upright means that you're more concerned about this than you are this. People want to get all this done. Well, let me get my work done, and then I'll talk to God. But then you never get to it. It's kind of like exercising. 
I'm going to exercise sometime today. And then you get that, well, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> Same thing with God. I'm going to pray sometime today, but you never get around to it. Make it a priority. Samuel was just a little boy, but God spoke to him. 1 Samuel 3, 8 through 10. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. He arose, went to Eli. That's the high priest and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. It shall be if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's all pray that together right now and mean it. Say it with me. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went, lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called it as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. We ought to pray that all the time. Lord, speak. God's a talker. If we'll pray, if we'll talk to him, he'll talk to us. Prayer reveals the will of God. And now I'm here to tell you what it was. I'm here to tell you what that vision you had meant. I'm going to show you what that promise means. Should Christians pray like it matters? Absolutely. Why? Prayer can move the hand of God. Prayer reveals the will of God. There's one more thing. You and I should pray like it matters because prayer blesses the heart of God. I can remember reading this the first time in the New Living Translation and I just melted. And I'm not a snowflake kind of guy, but I melted. And now I'm here to tell you what it was. Now watch, for you are very precious to God. I want to say this to you, if God has saved you, if God has filled you with his spirit, even if you're not walking with God the way you should right now, look at me, you are precious to God. If you're a child of the king, you are precious to the king. Precious. Very precious to God. The NIV takes that very precious statement and calls it highly esteemed. It means something very desirable, great value. Same word used in another text about a very ornate garment or the finest of gold. You're a very precious treasure to God is what he was saying. Daniel was precious to God because he prayed fervently, frequently, and humbly. Pray three times a day. Sometimes you just can't get it all in. You got to have another time and another time. How did he pray, Brother Steve? I, I don't know, but he poured out his heart to God. I, I think Daniel, I can hear, hear Daniel singing, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne, make all my wants and my wishes known in seasons of distress and grief. My soul has often found relief and I've oftest 
escape the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height. Remember Mount Pisgah? God took Moses up to Mount Pisgah and said, you look at the promised land. Till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height, I view my home and I take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop one day and rise to seize the everlasting prize. And when my spirit leaves my body and I go to heaven, I'll shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. I want to hear an angel say, at least in my heart, Gaines, you're very precious to God. I want to put, put a smile on Jesus' face, don't you? Prayer blesses the heart of God. I hear people talk about what they want to do when they get to heaven, when they die. I want to see Jesus, don't you? I want to worship him. I don't have any biological immediate family on the earth anymore. My daddy is dead. My mother's dead. My brother's dead. I want to see them. I'd like to see men like Joshua, Moses, Elijah, David, Peter, John, Paul. I'd like to sit down and talk with Charles Spurgeon. I'd like to talk with Billy Graham. I'd like to talk again with Adrian Rogers. But there's a woman that I want to meet in heaven. I've told you this several times over the last 18 years. My mother and daddy got married right after daddy got out of World War II. By the way, while we were gone, we went to Normandy and we saw where the troops came on to France and were killed. So many of them were killed on the beach at Normandy. We went to that beach. My dad was not in Normandy, but he was in service in World War II. And he got out. He married my mother. They were in their early 20s. A year or so later, my mother was diagnosed with double breast cancer the age of about 23, 24. She went to the hospital, had surgery, had one mastectomy. And then she was due to have the other breast removed the next day. They brought her to a room where another lady had had a double mastectomy. And put my mother in there. My mother told me this several times when I was growing up. She said, I was semi-sedated, and she said, this lady, sometime after they brought me in, who had had a double mastectomy, came over to my bed and put my head in her lap and prayed for me for nine hours all night long. My mother was lost. My daddy was lost. They were just young kids. And here she is 
having a double mastectomy, about two. About two. She'd had one removed and ready for the other. And she said, Steve, she said, I would awaken from the anesthesia and I saw this woman with tears coming down her cheeks. Oh, Jesus, heal this young girl. Heal this young girl. And they had told me when I woke up fully that my other breasts would be gone. But when they came in to check her the next morning, mom was still sedated. They couldn't feel the lump. They did an x-ray and all the cancer was gone. And when mother woke up, she thought she wouldn't have any breasts, but she had one. And she started crying. She said, what's going on? And that lady told her, Jesus healed you. And then she shared the gospel with my mother. And my mom was healed and saved on the same bed. Healed and saved on the same bed. I don't understand healing. Nobody does. But that is one of the main reasons that we do what we do with this oil. I believe more people get saved in a church that preaches the gospel than in one that doesn't preach the gospel. And I believe more people get healed in a church that prays for people to be healed than in one that doesn't. I don't understand it. I don't understand God. And my mother shared that testimony all of her life. If it wasn't for prayer, I wouldn't even be here. Does prayer make a difference? It can move the hand of God. It reveals the will of God. It blesses the heart of God. Don't you want Bellevue Baptist Church to be a house of prayer? Amen. I'll be frank with you. I, I, I preach in other churches. And I love the other churches. I, I, I've been preaching a long time, 40 years. I don't know of too many Baptist churches that are a house of prayer. I really don't. I don't know of any church, many churches at all. Take the Baptist out. I don't know many churches that are really a house of prayer. I'd like to change that, wouldn't you? Amen. Whatever time I've got left on this earth, I want my body to be a house of prayer. I want my marriage to be a house of prayer. I want my home to be a house of prayer. And I want the church where I preach to be a house of prayer. I want to pray like it matters because it does matter.